Tune in weekly and listen to the Collateral Damage podcast, where Michael Wilson and Maureen Kavanaugh host a variety of special guests to discuss topics and available services that will help you learn about the impact that substance use has on our lives, our families, and on our communities nationwide. Episodes and listening information can be found at www.cdpodcast.com. You can also search for Collateral Damage Podcast on your favorite listening platforms or watch previous and future episodes on YouTube. Don't forget to subscribe and share. All right, welcome everybody to another episode of Collateral Damage. This is Mike Wilson with my co-host Maureen Cavanaugh, and today we have a special guest, uh, Coach Mike, uh, Mike Ferrillo, uh, Ferrillo, Ferrillo, uh, with the Boston Bulldogs Running Club. And, One of my uh, all-time favorite people. <laughs> true, and, true thing. And I, I know that I want to learn about this. I want to hear about this. I think uh, wellness and recovery, be it physical, emotional, psychological, spiritual, I think it's all critical. And uh, I know that this is uh, this was born from your own personal experience, Coach. Is that correct? Yep. All right. And um, so I want to give you a chance to tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and and how this uh, organization came to be. And yep. um, Maybe you could start with that. Like, why, why, why Boston Bulldogs? Well, I'm a, I, I love Bulldogs. I've had them all, found them for the last 20 years. Yeah. Our current Bulldog is Gus, our mascot. So um, it was, it's an interesting story. Um, I started the Bulldogs as maybe about 12 years ago, I decided that I wanted to try to bring wellness uh, exercise into the clinical community. Um, being in recovery for many, many years and been a runner for as many years and have found a lot of, um, a lot of refuge and help and, you know, in, in being a runner and being in the running community, uh, I sort of come up with a term, you know, I found my kind hearted warrior. Mm. So, um, that's what we talk about in the Bulldogs is to, you know, participate in the Bulldogs and the community and find that kind hearted warrior that's inside of all of us. You know, we're not who we think we are. You know, our unlim- we have unlimited potential as just as human beings, but we get caught up in these narratives and uh, they're kind of fixed and we believe them and we get stuck, mm. you know. So anyway, yeah, using running is, a, is kind of, oh, that's, that's Gus actually. Is that I'm the Bulldog? <laughs> um, so anyway, um, Getting back to starting the, starting the Bulldogs, um, you know, I would go to Pine Street every Saturday as a volunteer, to Shattuck and then at Pine Street, starting to encourage the guys to exercise and talk about wellness and mm-hmm. my principles. Um, and um, with the first, first day I was there, I said, we got to come up with a logo. And there was a fellow there that was very quiet. He said, well, I'm an artist. I can draw a Bulldog. And, and he there drew it the Bulldogs, is. and uh, we came up. I said, you know, I want to call it the Bulldogs. Um, that's as about as, as active. Sounds like, as Gus, sounds like Gus wants to be on the show. I want yeah. something to eat. <laughs> 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 it's been years. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, so that's how we came up with uh, the name, and the logo was fantastic. I hope I gave you a T-shirt, Maureen. Um, uh, yes, you did. I wear it all the time. I love my T-shirt. Yeah. So... Um, Again, you know, the history of it was I started as a volunteer. I, I would go in there. And then about after about eight or nine years, I, I wanted to expand it and, um, you know, reach a larger group and 
started the Bulldogs and didn't know what I was getting myself into. I just really wanted to run with people in recovery and um, talk to the clinical community about the importance of exercise. And, you know, sometimes it's more of a, an afterthought in the clinical community and they, people don't see the importance of exercise. So I decided that I wanted to expand it and I never really was involved as a clinician. I didn't know much about nonprofits. And um, so we started this nonprofit and um, we started, I started running with a few uh, people and here we are now we have uh, four chapters and we're starting another one in Natick. Uh, we have one in Plymouth, Situate, Brighton, uh, Chicago, um, Quincy. Mm -hmm. And um, so now we have around 200 members. I love how you just popped in that Chicago one. That, that just yeah, so we're, Chicago we're one's another really, state. You've got another state. Yeah. Okay. All and right. <laughs> we didn't, I didn't know whether I could, you know, whether people would be in other states would be open to the calling it the Boston Bulldogs. So we call it running with the Bulldogs. Okay. Um, so we got, uh, the, that chapter there and, um, you know, we, we've just, it just has grown and uh, continues to grow. Mm -hmm. And this idea of, um, helping people see, you know, their potential through community and through wellness. Um, well, can I ask, can I ask you a question? Cause yeah. I'm, I'm a person in recovery and I can honestly yeah. say that each time I got, uh, each time I attempted sobriety, each time I attempted to get well, I didn't exactly come into the program as a, uh, you know, picture of health. Uh, I came in, you know, in a lot of pain and probably out of shape and probably crushing way too many Newports in a day. And, uh, you know, how exactly as a person in recovery, do I kind of ease my way into this, yeah. this type of running club? Cause I, I, I'm, I'm immediately intimidated as somebody who doesn't work out regularly early in recovery. So how does that, how does that work? So um, what's really, really important is when someone reaches out and they're interested in the Bulldogs is, is, the, um, is for me and the leadership team, someone in the leadership team to make immediate contact, to connect with that person because they are intimidated and they, you know, a lot of them have social issues, especially in early recovery. Um, it's hard for them to sort of show up and uh, be part of a group sober group um that connection initially is important and then uh, meeting with them that first day and in social work we learn to accept clients or individuals where they're at so mm -hmm. we take we accept people where they're at we say there's no problem you're still smoking it's not a problem just start off where you're at we have a, a beginner's program and it basically works for everyone somebody can continue to smoke um and still engage in the, in the program. When they first join, you know, we encourage them to be able to, we have a run walk program. So if you were out of shape and you were smoking, we have a mile and a half loop down in Cheston Hill near BC. And um, we have someone walk run. So somebody would walk a minute, uh, run a minute, walk two minutes. Mm -hmm. And then if the idea is to be um, consistent and show up um, and, if they continue to do that and we encourage them to run a minimum of three days a week, follow this program that we lay out for them. Mm -hmm. um, and um, before you know it, they're running a mile without stopping. And we encourage them to run really slow um, at a conversational pace. So once they start to feel experience, 
you know, this idea that, geez, I can run a mile. You know, I couldn't even walk a mile. Mm-hmm. And I can walk, I can run a half a mile. And then sooner or later, they're running a 5K, which is, you know, 3.1 miles. And um, then the miracle happens. Mm-hmm. So do they get different T-shirts? There's the walking bulldog, yeah, jogging so I, bulldog. <laughs> I think it's important to, yeah, what I really want to do is sort of talk about the heart of the bulldogs. And it's based on, um, it's based on community. And I would say through community, we heal and recover. Through isolation, we suffer. So the community uh, and the connection um, and the support, the compassion, the kindness uh, that we, have, we demonstrate towards ourselves and others is the first step. Um, and the three principles that I, I talk a lot about and I encourage people to participate in is the first one is very, very important. It's called self-leadership. That's the first principle. And that means holding yourself accountable, taking full responsibility for your internal, your external life, everything that's going around you, and to do what you have to do, not what you always want to do. Mm. Uh, be accountable to what's going on. Show up. Put the work in. And through that, uh, that principle in embracing the self-leadership, one begins to see their unlimited potential. Mm-hmm. Because they're realizing that, and bottom line is nobody can fix us. We have, to, we have to step up to the plate, even though there's a feeling of insecurity, self-doubt, whatever it is, failures in the past, we have to step up and we have to go to those places and, and take that risk mm-hmm. and put the effort into showing up. And once they do that, no matter how terrified they are, no matter how difficult it is, we have to what in the therapeutic world um, a famous analyst calls the holding environment. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the good enough parenting. We create a holding environment for the person in early recovery so they feel safe, they feel supported, they're encouraged, um, and they start to realize once they become responsible and disciplined and uh, engage in the program, they start to realize, wow, I can actually run a 5K. So we have what's called, the the second principle is transparency. Mm -hmm. And we encourage transparency, which is being able to to assume full responsibility for what's coming up, what's arising in you, what's happening in you, what's going on in your life. Being honest with yourself in a non-judgmental way. I teach mindfulness, which is that. Just being aware of what's coming up because... We know we can't control everything that's coming up in our, in our thoughts. Mm-hmm. And through this acceptance, we can have a better relationship with whatever it is that's coming up. But we need to be honest. Mm-hmm. If we're feeling fear, it's fear. Feeling, so we encourage transparency and welcoming it, even though it might be difficult to experience whatever it is that's going on. And in our relationships, in our life too. And to really say, you know, this is important for me to be myself, to be transparent, when, as long as it's not going to harm you. Right. Transparency is really key. And uh, besides teaching the uh, running and encouraging people to run, I teach mindfulness. We, teach, uh, we encourage the, the, uh, the runners to you know, make some time every day to meditate. It's very, very important. I go on meditation retreats for ten to eight, five to eight days a week in silence. And believe me, 
Uh, I never thought I could sit for five minutes. <laughs> Did you just say five to eight days in a row yeah. of silence? That, that's after, you know, 20 years of doing this. I start, you know, my history is very typical. You know, I was a, not only a drug addict, I had ADHD, I had trauma, I had anxiety, you name it. I was in jail, mental hospitals, bang, bang, bang. Um, and I started running and running just really helped me in my early recovery in many ways. And it's helping the same individuals that are really uh, engaging in running, engaging in, in, in the same exact way. And this has been in my envision. It basically helps you with your, whatever you're struggling with, your mood, your emotions. Mm -hmm. You go out for a run, you feel better. It's, it, or, you know, any type of movement or exercise. It helps with cravings. Mm -hmm. uh, it helps you start to feel better about yourself. See, drug addicts, as we know, are used to immediate gratification. So if they show up and they go for that little run and they, they get that immediate runner's high. Mm -hmm. And not only that, they get a psychological high. Look what I just did. They start to feel better about themselves. And then it starts to, they start to develop an identity around like, I'm a, this has happened to me. I'm a runner. Mm -hmm. I'm not a criminal. I'm not a drug addict. Right. Um, you know, I started to feel like, I was somebody, you know, I started to feel positive and it helped me with my self-esteem. And then I joined a running club and one thing led to another. And I, you know, that really played a big role in, I'm an eighth grade dropout. I ended up spending eight years in college and it was really, really difficult. And mm -hmm. running helped me uh, in that area too. So basically um, people engaging in the principle of self-leadership, transparency, and as Maureen knows, the importance of giving back. Mm -hmm. When the Bulldogs engage in those three principles and work on my three areas of development, which is mental, physical, and ethical development. Mm -hmm. Because when you do good, you feel good. You right. know, I was a drug addict, but I was a street guy. I had to learn not only to stop getting high, I had to learn to not lie, cheat, steal, be full of greed. So... I encourage, and I don't think this is talked enough, the importance of approaching um, where you're at ethically and de developing values that are really related to the core of who you are, mm -hmm. which is a good person. But in order to feel like a good person, you have to act like a good person. Absolutely. Well, I have to assume that, you know, uh, a lot of these people who have joined the Boston Bulldogs running club or the running club, just in w wherever they're doing it, that you know, part of their journey through is to help the next person um, to, to, to assist in lifting people up and, and help them push through those plateaus of, you know, I can't, I never have been able to, uh, this is too hard. It's not, it's not happening fast enough. Like those things where, you know, part of, part of recovery is giving back, you know, as, as we all know, you can't keep it if you don't give it away. So, you know, I know that a part of this is, it must be that some of these these folks that have been with you for a while, you know, they're, they're stepping into assist and bringing up that newcomer, that new runner. Um, yeah, I'm glad you asked that because I get really excited about, you know, uh, what the Bulldogs were. It's really, as I'm, as I'm speaking, you can understand it's a lot more than just running. Mm -hmm. um, so we have what's called the full circle program and it's the heart of the program. Someone comes in, um, you know, they, they join the club, we make that connection with them. We're there for them. Um, we're meeting them. We're talking to them. And they sign up. Once they sign up for Full Circle uh, One, we, 
they, that means they're going to be training for a 5K. Okay. And uh, what they do on their end is they make a, a contract that they're going to stay sober for that period of time. They're going to show up 80% of the time. They're going to engage in their running program. They're going to connect with their wellness sponsor and their coach. Wow. Um, and we give them running gear. We give them tea passes. We give them whatever they need. Once they step up and they start to engage in that first principle of self-leadership, and you can see that they're hungry and motivated, we just, we're there 100%. And the more we're there, the more they step up for themselves, and the more we're there for him, for them, it's like magic. So once they uh, engage in the program, uh, they come down to the reservoir. We have our own little 5K. All the Bulldogs show up, 30 or 40 of them. He'll, they'll have pacers that will run with them. And once they cross that finish line, all the Bulldogs are there. They get a recognition award. They get Bulldog uh, gear. Now they can go on to our full circle too, which is a 10K, same process, commitment to sobriety, commitment to all the things I mentioned. Once they complete that, now they can enroll in our self, in our Bulldog leadership program. Mm -hmm. This is the heart of the program. It's peer-to-peer. It's self, it's helping one another. It's the empowerment that we can find when we help ourselves and we help one another. Mm-hmm. Because my envision is I'm 71, you know, I'm, I don't know how long, you know, there's a point where I got to slow down a little bit, but my vision is the Bulldogs they are, um, that are members are going to be running the Bulldogs. Mm-hmm. And so once they're eligible to apply to the leadership program, then they have a specific responsibility and if they need it, they get a stipend every month. Mm-hmm. We have the full circle leader that reaches and connects with all the, uh, the, the chapters mm-hmm. uh, that provides, you know, orientation and connects with the new person. We have a running coordinator who gets paid every, he's at every, he's at a different, you know, it depends on like we have somebody in Brighton, somebody mm-hmm. in Quincy, somebody in Chicago. They're accountable for being there. They're accountable to their job. So they're giving back. They're part of this organization. They're feeling good about themselves and they're getting financial support. Uh, We have a bulldog that's an assistant operational manager. It's somebody that's helping me, um, you know, with all the administrative stuff. Mm -hmm. And um, we have an outreach coordinator and we also have a, um, we have a giving back program. This is another really important, exciting thing that I started about six months ago. Each month we go to a, a different location. For the last couple of months, we've gone down to the engagement center now, Mass Ave, and we've been giving out backpacks, Narcan, Narcan food, coffee, oh. and the cell, uh, the outreach volunteer is coordinates that. You know, we make sure we get all this stuff. We go to Brockton to a homeless shelter there. We go right on the streets. We give out the clothes. And we, and this is the uh, members of the Bulldogs are doing this. And yeah. the, the individuals that are in our leadership program are facilitating these programs. We have a junior Bulldogs program. We go to residential programs. We go to the YMCA. Wow. Um, and we're working with kids trying to create exercise promote wellness and um as an alternative because we're working with kids that are at risk mm-hmm. you know these kids come from have trauma so we're trying to get them to use exercise in communities as an alternative to using drugs uh when they're teenagers 
Wow. So there's a, there's a huge organizational structure here. I mean, this isn't just a running club, (laughs) you know, which some people might think by the name, this is actually a, a passion and organization, a nonprofit, correct? Uh, Which means that people can contribute. They can make donations and support your efforts. And each each bulldog that enters and becomes a part of this is a part of the organization and can play a role in giving back to the community, helping the next generation, pulling up new bulldogs. And as you just mentioned before, some of them are going to take over this uh, organization at some point and bring it someplace else. Now this, uh, this transition into other States. I mean, is that something that uh, was that just kind of like fluke? Do you know someone out there or was this intentional? Like you're trying to get this to other States? You know, sometimes as Maureen knows, you know, when something works, it almost goes too fast. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it it just, it feels more responsibility, more work. And, um, so what happened was we were in this, um, I was featured in Runner's World magazine, which was crazy for me because when I first got sober, you know, being a drug addict, in high school, I never read anything in my life, except when I was in jail, I read a little bit. Yeah. But um, when I got sober, I was, you know, was, well, we know when we get sober, we're, wherever we, like I was 24, but developmentally I was 15, 16, you know, I still wanted to have an identity, you know, no, no mm-hmm. longer was I going to be a, a drug addict, that wasn't my identity. I needed a new identifier. Now I'm a runner. I used to carry the Runner's School magazine. I didn't read it, but mm-hmm. I would carry it around, you know. But then I started reading it. So here we go, 40 years later, um, I'm featured on that magazine. It's just, it's just the power of, um, you know, what can happen if you just put effort and just stick with it. You know, mm-hmm. I always tell people in recovery, we're in this for the long run, man. You know, whatever's going on in the moment, we know it's going to pass. Just keep going and you'll find you. Sometimes when people start to experience your potential, it scares them, mm-hmm. you know, because there's a certain comfort and a certain, this idea of giving up, whether it's depression or addiction. It's, it's kind of like, oh, you know, I don't have to do much because I'm, I'm a schmuck, you know, I don't mm-hmm. have anything to offer. I don't have any, uh, they have to get out of that and realize, yeah, you, you have to work, but you can do the work. And yes, mm-hmm. the work is uncomfortable. So basically, um, some I, got, I was getting calls and emails uh, after that article, and I just uh, met with the board and I met with my team, and we just said we can, we're not ready to start chapters in other states, you know, until we can put a model together and get an organization where I have some paid staff and all that. However, this woman from Chicago, who was quite successful at an early age, she's a triathlete. Uh, she just wanted to start helping people, and she thought, she flew down and she met with me. And she, I told her I wasn't interested. She said, "Just meet with me." She flew down to Boston and she ran with us. And she, I told her what it really entails. You know, mm-hmm. people who want to do good things, you have to really open their eyes to what right. they really what people the don't, is. people don't understand how much work this is. That's you know, right. say, yeah, yeah. There's it, it, a lot of work. You just don't run. You just don't show up and run. And then after six months, you know, oh, you know, I want to go on and do something else. People, right. once it works, people are going to. Anyway, she was a real deal. She had a, uh, amazing energy. She's brilliant. Uh, she has a lot of resources politically and in the community, uh, the business world, the running world. And uh, within four weeks, she has about 15 bulldogs running there right now. And we, I'm going down there to participate in their first full circle one race. Uh, we're going to give out the awards. And I'm taking 
the full circle coordinator, Megan, with me, who, who spoke at the race. Um, and, uh, you know, again, you know, empowering the Bulldogs and having them be part of this. Um, you know, we're going to go down there and, um, and uh, run with them and give them, give the two, three Bulldogs that are doing the full circle their awards. Um, last night, we had two people in Quincy. Quincy just started about six weeks ago in um, Megan, who's the coordinator of Full Circle, and that chapter is a very uh, strong in the AA community, and she sponsors a lot of women. So first night, there was about 10 women that showed up. Um, and that's, that's it's mostly women, and it's mo it, but it's doing an unbelievable job. But what's amazing is we had two or three solid Bulldogs that are in our leadership show, show up who don't run in that chapter, who run in different chapters, to pace and run with the the Bulldogs in Quincy last night. It's on our Facebook. That's, that just brings a smile to my face. That's great. sounds like you're, uh, you're, you're able to inspire people through this. I mean, as you said, uh, wellness and recovery. I mean, it's, you have to have something to, to, to buy into some belief that things are going to get better, that you can heal, that you can get well. And, you know, leading through example, uh, you know, as you said, I mean, what'd you say? You're 71. Yeah. Right. So if I saw a 71 year old guy that was running around and all motivated and ambitious like you are, and here I am just being a lump complaining about my life, you know, I mean, you're definitely leading by example and inspiring me outside of myself, you know? Yeah. And I think that, uh, I wish that I wish this was around when I was trying to get sober because yeah. it would have been really nice. Uh, I did go to the gym and I do like that activity. I do like the, uh, as you, as you said, you know, getting, getting the chemicals to fire off and getting that, you know, the runner's high, we get a lifter's high too. Yep, yep. Um, you know, which is where the, the world starts to melt away and you get the music in your headphones and it's just you and whatever it is that you're doing. And, you know, whether that's in a gym, on a treadmill, out in, in that, uh, you know, that one mile where you guys are running, wh wherever it is, um, you know, it's just you and you. And yeah, one of, the, one of the amazing things that can happen, I, I think it could happen if trying to get Maureen to come down and walk. So I'm going to throw that in. I really do want to do this. I think if you walk, uh, you know, run, one of the things, amazing things that happens when you run is, um, you know, most addicts in recovery, they, they're pretty transparent in general. But when you're running, there's a, a tendency to be very honest and open and authentic because you're not making that eye contact. You're running, you're moving. Um, and really, you know, people like join and they run a mile and I go, wow, this was, I had fun. I really got to know people. I share things I normally don't share. Um, so that's, that's, that just uh, is a plus. And that mm -hmm. definitely is what happens. Um, and it, I think it happens with our walkers too. <laughs> so you are talking while they're running, right? <laughs> well, what we try to do is we, we see what I'm promoting is what I call LSD running. It's not the kind of LSD you had when you were a kid. <laughs> well, well, we, what we want to do is get to a long, slow distance. In order to do, get up to like five, six, eight miles. That's when you're going to, the physical and the mental benefits kick in. Okay. Um, I call it the recovery pace and the recovery distance. What happens is, um, you know, uh, you have to be able to run and talk. If you're running too fast, you know, you can't have a conversation. It's not really good training to do that. You save that for the races. So mm -hmm. what we all try to do is we try to run at a conversational pace because a big part of this is social. Mm -hmm. um, 
We are social creatures. We need to feel loved. We need to love. Bottom line. Bottom line. When we feel supported and loved and we are getting a lot of compassion and kindness, which is the core values of the Bulldogs and the core values of what I practice, which is refuge recovery, um, mm -hmm. you know, that aspect of, of Buddhist recovery. It's, it's key because uh, everybody is so frightened and stressed out today. We're living in a, in a time today where people are addicted to attention. They're addicted to distraction. Mm -hmm. uh, and this idea of exercising and slowing down and meditating um, is what everybody needs. We have, mm -hmm. a, we have right now, we have an epidemic of loneliness and we have an epidemic of anxiety, clinical anxiety. Yeah, I meet more teenagers now than, that are telling me that they're clinically uh, anxious. And that's where the drugs come in. We mm -hmm. know that 80%, mm -hmm. I think, uh, people who end up in our office with substance abuse problems have another diagnosis. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, do you, you subscribe to the dislocation theory, um, you know, of the disconnected community and society and that generationally we're getting further and further away from the idea of tribes and connectedness Yep. And that these Definitely. generations are growing up more technologically connected, but not in a human way, uh, not in well, a person. This is, Michael, you hit the nail on the head, man. Yeah. This is what's going on and it's getting worse. This is why uh, the Bulldogs in part are so successful. You know, the church, the family, it's, it's not as strong as it used to be. And people even talk about finding this tribe, this community, and going to a yoga class, mm -hmm. you know, because they're not getting it. Uh, so they're looking for it. Mm -hmm. We're all hungry for that tribe mentality. I'm on the board of John Rady. He wrote, co-wrote Driven to Distraction about ADHD, and he's written all kinds of books on He's from Harvard. He teaches there about the importance of exercise with mental health, trauma, autism, old age, and everything. And he talks, he's just written a book about the tribe and the community, the importance of it. Mm -hmm. uh, that's why AA, I went to an AA, one of my bulldogs had three years, got his medallion last night. Now, I'm not an AA person, but I went there. It was, it was in Dorchester at a church. And there must have been about 150 people there. It's wow. one of the biggest. And I was sitting in there and I'm going, you know, this is working because of the size of this this community is so powerful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the I recovery think, culture, the the fellowship, the, the yeah, connection, fellowship, the tribe. Yeah, I, and I, I think, you know, uh, it's just key. It's key for us to be feel connected. Mm -hmm. Well, and I, I mean, you're you're creating a path that I mean, you have to have various ways, like you said. People look into yoga. People look to their family. People look to running. People look to all these different places to go get tribed up. You know, go get connected. Yeah. And I so, love how you open this up to the families too. So it's not just for people in recovery. Wow. It can be somebody that's a family member who's in recovery because we recover too. We just in a different way. Okay. I'm glad you brought that up, Maureen, because I feel really strongly about this. I, I started this up for people who are impacted also in the clinical community, the clinical and the community at large, anyone who wants to promote my vision of wellness and recovery. I am trying to get the clinical community to understand the, per the importance of my principles of self-leadership and of you know, uh, people empowering themselves through effort, through exercise. Um, but the other important thing is I don't like labels very much. I don't 
I think there's something value in saying, you know, go into a meeting and saying I'm an alcoholic or, and remembering that, you know, we have this, we have, I have this disease or whatever you call it. But on the other hand, uh, and we don't encourage people, we don't have volunteers, we don't encourage people in the Bulldogs, in the tribe, Michael, to, you know, go around the room and say, I'm an alcoholic, I'm somebody who's impacted, impacted. I'm a, we're all what I call, because I'm Italian, I love this term, Italian, we're all average meatballs. <laughs> okay. We're all human beings, we all have the, we're all going through the same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm concerned about these groups, you know, separating up, too much of a separation, we got the people in recovery over here, we got the clinical community over here. I got clinicians who don't want to join the club because they're afraid it's a conflict of interest. Listen, you know, we gotta, we've got to be aware of this, these separation and how it's costly. So we want to identify as human beings. So we have a, a, a strong uh, group of men, women, young adults who've been impacted. Either they lost a loved one or they have a sibling or a husband or a family member who's been impacted by addiction. I have three steps to their recovery, but basically I encourage them to follow my principles and my three areas of development. We know the addiction that they are, they experience and the acute anxiety they experience. And nobody knows it more than Maureen. My little three little steps, and they also participate in the full circle program mm-hmm. because they need to be in recovery. Uh, they need to show up, you know, mm-hmm. even th- and, and they need to show up because sometimes somebody's impacted is there with you, but in their mind, they're with the person that they're worried about. They're not really with you. Very distracted. Yeah, distracted. Yeah, they can't mm-hmm. help it. Mm-hmm. So the first step, I'll just say real quickly, which is first you have to uh, get together with yourself and with other people and acknowledge, you know, and I, this sounds like common sense, but it's important to really embrace the idea that I am being affected by Mm -hmm. my loved one's addiction. I am being affected. Mm -hmm. I have a problem. Mm -hmm. That's the key. Same as for for us in recovery, we have to acknowledge that we have a problem, right? Mm -hmm. Same thing. I have a problem. And then we have to, we have to, the step two is to be able to acknowledge how you're being affected mentally, physically, interpersonally, spiritually. I encourage them to make the list. I right. can't sleep. My marriage is falling apart. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm making irrational decisions. I'm having panic attacks. It's daunting. It's, it's really, really tough. Mm-hmm. Once they come to terms with that and they start focusing on how they're being impacted and they acknowledge it and they feel then they're starting to put the focus on themselves. Mm-hmm. It's, it's hard to do that. Mm-hmm. Putting the focus, and they go, oh my gosh, you know, I'm not eating, or I'm eating too much, mm-hmm. or I'm sleeping, or I'm sleeping <laughs> too much. Um, and um, for that second, right, Maureen, for that minute, they're, with, they're dealing with themselves. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. The mind is here. And and identifying have, things that right. can change, right? Right. And you can't really be strong enough to be there for somebody else if you don't take care of yourself. And, and, and um, yeah, so it's an illusion to feel like you can, you want to stay connected. And Maureen has written about, she knows, you can, we can stay connected, but without hurting ourselves or hurting the addict. Right. Mm-hmm. I, had a, 
I had a patient who, a family member was given her, her son $100 a day. So he would go out and cop and shoot the drugs in the house. And so he, she was afraid he'd go to jail. Mm-hmm. Jail is what saved my life, believe mm-hmm. it or not, you know, mm-hmm. being in jail. <laughs> so anyway, um, again, you know, it, it's, it's almost becomes um, unconsciously convenient to focus in on somebody else. Mm-hmm. that codependency thing like oh i don't have to deal with me that's true that's i don't very have to true. deal with me and i don't i think it's it's really related to i love this person i'm afraid this person's going to die but also this unconscious secondary gain is i don't have to deal with me yeah mm-hmm. and if you don't deal with you you can't like maureen said you can't deal so but again this is such a difficult and courageous thing for someone to do this step two uh, they they need community, whether it's Maureen in her office, whether it's the Bulldogs, whether it's doesn't matter. They need help, mm. and they they'd rather help than get help. That's it's easier. syndrome. Yeah, it really it's is. It's yeah. a very similar to like I'd rather do drugs than ask for help. Mm-hmm. Right, same thing. Step three is the hardest one. It's not the hardest one, but it's the most important. Map out what you're gonna do. What is your recovery toolbox going to look like? Mm. Oh, I'm going to get into counseling. I'm going to meet with, you know, take, again, embrace principle one. Take full responsibility for that list. Even if you go back and you spend, instead of spending three hours looking, you know, thinking about or doing certain things for that loved one, maybe now you're just spending an hour because Mm -hmm. you've done these things to help yourself. Uh, Again, none of this is going to happen without community. Mm-hmm. You need that support. You need to see other yeah. people doing the same people thing. You need to see success stories. Can't do it alone. I don't believe. I don't believe you can. I believe the fear of connection is what keeps people apart. We mm-hmm. get addicted to isolation. Yeah. You know, I see how intense I am. I'm trying to relax and be lightened up on my old age. I can't <laughs> it's never going to happen. Never going to happen. I think that this is so important because. People go through recovery in lots of different ways, right? Not one thing is, like you said, you're not an AA guy. You're more of a refuge recovery guy. And, um, you know, there's some people, people come to me and tell me, I don't want to go to a meeting. Okay, don't go to a meeting. Go run with the bulldogs mm-hmm. and, and, or go, go do some recovery yoga. And I don't know, may, you may wind up, you build those, that community there and you may wind up going to a meeting eventually or doing something else. But whatever opens that door, whatever people are comfortable with, I think in connecting with uh, other people that are, that are in a similar situation. I think. Well, I'm glad you said that, Maureen, because this goes back to my, uh, my principal one. What I do is I will tell them, lay out what's available. You know, like you're available, Alan. I'll say, here's what's available. I want you to look at this list. If you have anything to add, because I believe deep down inside, people know what they have to do. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it, they, and I'll say, come back next week and tell me what your recovery toolbox is going to look like. I don't tell them. I say, you pick. You take responsibility. Yeah. You tell me. I can say this is what really helped me. This is what I think could help you. But basically, people are not going to do what they don't want to do. Right. And, but... If you want to get sober or if you want to get, you know, you want to overcome your, your issues around suffering with somebody's illness, you have to embrace that first principle of self-leadership. 
So once you get that toolbox going to go, you know, I went to an Allen army that doesn't work, but this works, you know, that mm-hmm. works. I don't know what's going to work. And, and we really don't. I don't, I get concerned about the, the, the recovery community, clinic community that is too eager to tell people what to do and what works and what doesn't work. You know, they say, well, just, you know, it's like for me saying, well, the only thing that's going to work is the Boston Bulldogs. That's absurd. And that's dangerous. Right. And, um, I think a lot of people in, in recovery, once they find like it, that, that whatever they're doing works, then they, they start to believe it's the only thing that's going to help people. And that's basically not their fault. It's kind of ignorance. Right. No, but we in recovery, we need many options, right? I mean, I, I, I didn't stop the first time I tried something. I tried something. I didn't like it. I came back, tried something else, tried something else. And, you know, eventually, as you said, you got to find what works for you. But having yeah. those options wouldn't exist if it wasn't for people like you out there creating these things, you know, giving people who wouldn't otherwise be able to sit through a meeting can go out and get physical, you know, or somebody that hasn't identified with anyone else in any of these other recovery options, but can come and try this. And so, you know, I think it's, I think it's great to have options. And I I agree with you. There's no, we need a lot of things uh, just like uh, nutrition. You know, we need, we can't just eat red meat. Mm -hmm. I mean, we need a lot of tools. We need a lot of things to do, but Mm -hmm. you know, I have ADD, ADHD is, we know it's rampant with addicts or (laughs) some of my bulldogs, a couple of them, you know, they go to meetings. They're into the, they're into the 12 steps, but they'll go for like a four or three, four mile run before they go to a meeting because they can listen a little better. They're not getting up and yeah. you know, they, they, can, they can settle down a little bit. And mm-hmm. I actually did that last night before I went to the meeting because I still mm-hmm. have trouble sitting through long things, but mm-hmm. I'm doing pretty good on this one. Yeah, you're doing great. <laughs> well, let me ask you a question. So there's a, um, so you do the annual Run for recovery. That's in May, right? So yeah, there's another one of those coming May up. Seventeenth, and we have a tribute um, for people who have lost their lives to addiction. We have speakers. Mm-hmm. I think Maureen engaged in that. We have um, the recovery and the clinical community uh, engaging in the in the run and the tribute. Mm-hmm. Maureen, and this is the a, one that's coming up October nineteenth. No, it's May. Oh, oh no, the, that's my. I'm so sorry, Michael. That's, oh, okay. That's May nineteenth, but I mean that's October nineteenth. I write the Boston Bulldogs run for recovery. I think is, I believe it's May 17th. We just oh, got okay. a permit and that's at Franklin park. So much, okay. it's so much fun. So nice. much fun. Yeah. Like as they say in Boston, it's Franklin park. park. Franklin park. park. There's lo- lots of Bulldogs attend. Yeah. Well. What's the, uh, what's the distance <laughs> on that one? What's that run? That's a, that's a historic cross country 5k course. It's in Beautiful. the runs of the woods. Okay. Um, and then for those that for those that are looking for a nice fall run, you have the um, the five k in Milton. This is a uh, Mike's five k to crush substance abuse. You can go on my website, and we'd love to have you there. And um, you know, and that's people Bo- who Boston wanna... Bulldogs Running dot com, right? Boston Bulldogs Running dot com. Yeah. Want to make sure I listen. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> make sure. Um, Boston Bulldogs Running. Yeah, that's it. Gotcha. Uh, bostonbulldogsrunning.com that's our website it's a terrific mm-hmm. website mm-hmm. one of our bulldogs i i never even this is unbelievable i shouldn't say this you might want to edit this one <laughs> <laughs> i to the bulldogs three years ago i never even looked at a website yeah i was nice. seeing patients are running yeah <laughs> 
Well, I mean, it's a great tool to have. And it's, uh, as I said, you know, it's good that you got uh, some people there that can help you put it together. Oh, yeah. So, so the website gives access to all of those upcoming events, future events, and then also they can follow you guys on Facebook, I'm assuming. Yeah. Correct? We, um, you know, anyone, we also just want to say one more program I started. I, I'm a visionary and I'm, my group is slowing me down. I can't, I've been told I cannot come up with any more ideas or things. Huh. But this one I told we just created a st uh, scholarship program, and Maureen would like this because she's she's involved in this also with her organization, I think, or she knows the organization. Anybody who's in our leadership program that has demonstrates a willingness to engage in sobriety, uh, I always say sobriety is one pillar, recovery is the next. Engage in sobriety and recovery. If they're in our leadership program and they relapse, we will provide uh, a scholarship type you know money for them to get back on their feet in terms of treatment we have somebody in a, uh, helping somebody get back into a sober house if that's what they need uh, but they have to be at that full circle awesome. level and um, I just want to say one more really important thing and this <clears throat> when you're engaged in a leadership program or if you've completed full circle one which is a 5k full circle two which is a 10k if you relapse this is key. Um, you have to, if you want to engage, get back in the leadership program, you have to start from the beginning. You have to give up your job. You have to go into the group and say, because transparency, you can't live a lie. I relapsed. I'm starting all over. And uh, I've had three or four bulldogs that have relapsed. And now they're even stronger in their recovery because they went through that process. It's like the 24 hour chip. Uh, first of all, I know when somebody's, you know, I can tell, but usually, you know, that's very, very important is for people to be able to step up and say, you know, I'm a human being. I failed. I relapsed, not failed, but I relapsed. So they start from the beginning again. Mm -hmm. You like great. that, Michael? I do. I like that. <laughs> I like that they have an option to come back through. Good stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. But they can't they, they can't st be in the program and relapse and you know they have to start all over again. Mm -hmm. Good. To show. Old, old school, <laughs> old school. Yeah, take you back to the beginning. Yeah. Well, this has Excellent. been great. This has been yeah, awesome. Thank, Thanks so I, much. I know Maureen knew so much about you, but I didn't. And yeah. whenever we have a guest on, it's always a great opportunity for me to learn uh, about tools and resources in our area. So I hope that our listeners uh, were able to get as much information as I was out of this. And, I know uh, some amazing people. Yeah, I'll tell you something. <laughs> Michael, it was a real pleasure to meet you. You're doing some good work. And, um, you know, and uh, Maureen, I just, Maureen, you're amazing, man. You know, I'm just so happy for you. And, people you're helping the families you're helping it's it's awesome keep up the good work you guys thank you thank you all right all right coach ciao is the much. You. Ciao. <laughs> see you soon all right, all right. bye bye i would like to thank all of our listeners for joining us today on this episode of collateral damage as always if you'd like to find out all of the different ways that you can listen to and subscribe to our podcast you can visit our website which is www.cdpodcast.com there are many different ways to listen, download, and subscribe, so we encourage you to choose the one that is most appropriate for you. And as always, we would encourage our listeners to get informed and stay connected. Thank you for joining us.